my name is Dana Carvey. And I feel masculine about being Conan O'Brien's friend. Fall is here, hear the yell, back to school, ring the bell, brand new shoes, walk in blues, climb the fence, books and pens, I can tell that we are gonna be friends. Hey, welcome to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. This is the show where basically I use the podcast format to uh, become friends with people, see if I can get more friends. I don't have a lot. A lot of my friends are people that actually work for me, which makes me suspicious. I think if I stop paying them, they might go away. So I basically talk to people who I might already be friends with or people sometimes I don't really know, but I like them and maybe they will become my friend. So that's the idea. It's pretty simple. And I do this with my trusty assistant, Sonam Obsession. Hey, Sona. Hi, Conan. Do you think it's working? Do you think I'm getting some good friends with this podcast? Uh, you, uh, What's the matter with you? I, you I didn't know how to answer that. Are you choking on something? I'm just saying I haven't entered anything new in your calendar in terms of hangs with new friends. So That's not even a joke. You have not. This has been a very successful podcast, and I have interviewed a lot of people, and I think it's gone really well. And you know what? Not one dinner date nope. or a lunch date has resulted so far. No hang sesh. No hang sesh? The hang session. Hang- oh, hangs, no hanging out session. Yeah. Yeah, I don't like it when you don't millennialize your, your terms with me. Just say no hangout sessions yet. Maybe you could just learn how to understand. I don't know why you still work for me. <laughs> I would theoretically have control over that. Anyway, uh, I'm also helped by someone who's really nice to me, uh, my producer, Matt Gorley. Hey, Matt. What's up, dickhead? <laughs> Jesus. God. Oh, you really like that one, don't you, Sona? I loved it. You like that? Go. Oh, good for you. You're feeling pretty good now, aren't you, Gorley? <laughs> yeah, just immortal, you know? Man, God, you just... <sighs> Podcast is doing well. You need me. There's How could this possibly go wrong? <laughs> You know what? I looked into it because I, I keep asking Adam Sachs, the sort of guru behind all this, I keep asking him, is there a way to do this without Gorley? I ask him that frequently uh-huh. and he says no. Yeah, I've got some shit on him. Yeah. Yeah. You seem to be the linchpin for this whole operation. Uh-huh. That's right. It's unbelievable. I have a podcast and I'm surrounded by people who uh, seem to um, enjoy watching me squirm and suffer. Yes. Why? I don't know. That's a good question. We're going to have to see more of it over time to really answer that. Yeah. God, yeah. I didn't know anything about podcasts when I started doing this, and I didn't realize that I could select the people <laughs> who are around me, <laughs> and maybe they could be pleasant. But enough of that. <laughs> Let's move on. I am overjoyed, absolutely overjoyed, because one of my uh, all-time comedy heroes is here on the show. I met him on Saturday Night Live way back in the day. He remains one of the funniest people that I've ever met, Who I, and I'm gonna say one of the funniest people that's ever existed on the planet Earth, and he's also a delightful human being. Dana Carvey. We all set? <laughs> 
You all, you got to see Jeff Bridges eat food in a movie. He's the greatest. <laughs> now this, oh, I just did a whole self-serve yogurt, put down a layer of pralines <laughs> and cream, added in the, oh, the snow cups and the gummer birds and the banana chips. And, oh, I'm about to get birds. I'm uh, 200 tater tops and cater. Put the <laughs> He's from Malibu, California, ladies yep. and gentlemen. Yep. That's true. I'm going to get my giddy up on on <laughs> I've never we met in 1988, Dan. I know. You we know met how in 1988, I, and I, yes. I I came to Senate Live as a writer, mm-hmm. incredibly nervous, and I remember exactly what happened. And I, I want to know. I was in the uh, writer's uh, area, that big conference room that the writers have, and I was standing there, and you walked in mm-hmm. with Kevin Nealon. Right. Could not have been nicer to me. Hmm. Lovely guy, right away. Big mistake. Yeah, big mistake. <laughs> Why? Well, yeah, okay. It was you. I mean, I yes, think you, uh, you, yes. you, I was a real quiet, I was a qu- quiet, shy writer. I don't know if, I, I, I don't know if I made an impression on you. It probably took a while. Well, the main thing, I, I remember you and Greg Daniels. Right. My, when I yeah, first yeah. saw you guys, I thought, well, this is probably like some high school kids visiting, like, you know, see how TV's made day. Yeah. And I remember specifically cornering Greg Daniels and going, I'm just intuitive about this stuff. You know, do theater. I think half hour television is not where you want to go. <laughs> right. I, I remember telling you, you know, you don't talk to people much. Yep. I was but, quiet. I was in, I was a little intimidated and I yeah. just kept my, I was not the, hey, look at me writer. No, but basically, you guys, if I had to come up with one word, is you were just very cute. Yes. You look so young and clean cut and fresh faced. I, I remember you being really enthusiastic, but yep. kind of shy off to the side where the rest of us were all whooping it up. It's a long race, Conan. <laughs> it hasn't even finished. It hasn't started. That was 30 years ago. <laughs> How we've grown. <laughs> There's a new sheriff in Podcast Village. So long, Joe Rogan. <laughs> Farewell, Mark Merlin. You've run out of quips. <laughs> uh, you, uh, yes. You're, well, I'm, I'm feeling full, Conan. And this is, this is Jeff Bridges again? Jeff this, Bridges is coming back as a runner. And this is I, Jeff Bridges eating food in a movie. Well, I always feel like he always sounds like he's ate too much and his belt's too tight. And yep. it informs his movie choices. Like, I'm, I'm no good. I just had a double, double uh, foot long uh, subway, you know, double cheese, <laughs> double meat. I'm a, well, Jeff, <laughs> Jeff, you only have one line. All right, what's my line? Well, they're going to find us and they're going to kill us. All right, roll it. I'll take my own cue. Just let me get my... Give me a little Hannibal. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, they're gonna find us. <laughs> oh, they're gonna kill us. Oh, that's all I got. That's a wrap on them. <laughs> This is a, a little exaggeration. If well, Jeff is listening, I'm a huge fan. Let's talk about this because yes. this goes to something. I'm recording you, by the that's way. That's fine. This is something that goes to uh, a, an observation that I've had a long time ago and that has continued to uh, remain true for me. Mm-hmm. Exaggeration. Mm-hmm. There are so many people that think the, the key to a good impression is to sound exactly like the person. Right. And you are my favorite example. Of someone who understood, intuitively understood, that mm-hmm. you're supposed to, 
you're supposed to get at the some kind of weird essence of the person and then right. stretch it out like yes. silly putty. Yes. And all of your impressions and your characters are com- are crazily your your yeah. George you know H W Bush is <laughs> yeah. not an accurate impression <laughs> of him, uh, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you were always. Uh, but you got to the heart Thank of you. something. I that, guess it's a compliment. No, no. It's uh, well, my mm-hmm. my Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, right. impression is an impression of your impression of Arnold Schwarzenegger, which right. is not Arnold Schwarzenegger at all, at all. But well, you know, it's that's yes. not Arnold Schwarzenegger. Well, the first Hans and Franz, it was Kevin and I both doing kind of at least the, the base. You know, we are we are Hans. I am Franz. We do bump you up. Then over time, I got bored and I realized. Look, Looking at us visually, I was the little guy with mm-hmm. the bigger uh, fake ego, and Kevin was the giant. Also, they would put enamel on my teeth yep. that I didn't want to smear. So they'd put it on before I go on air, and that would create the gap. And so I look at the mirror, and I kind of had a face. I had to match that little smile. <laughs> and then it became so oh, look at your little girly buttocks and your mother. <laughs> it became nothing to do with Arnold. Right. But he still says girly, man. There are there are people that do impressions that mm-hmm. are and there's a coldness to them. They're like scientific about it. Mm-hmm. And you in your characters and your impressions, you're always having fun. You're having fun because you're stretching it out to a yes. ridiculous degree. But I degree. think you're a kindred spirit. You take, I, I take, loved it. Take I, things to the infinite universe. That's why I was immediately uh, always, uh, the first time I saw you on TV, I was immediately drawn to your joy. You have a, There's so much joy that comes out of you when you're performing. Well, it make, I just make it myself laugh. But even my Trump now, which I started, it's not a joke, I was trying to figure it out, and I thought maybe it's a little bit Regis. Anyway, right. you ready for this? Joy's over there. Gilbert's over there. Yeah. You know, it's kind of nasally in New York. You ought to control. And then I thought, well, you got to add maybe Brando. Yep. What can I do for you, my son? <laughs> and then you come. And then you right. move yourself to a Regis, and you got Trump, and then I added Shatner. I don't know why. I just wanted him to be. Because he's fighting the world at all moments. I'll sanction you. Fuck you, Canada. Get out of here. So then it doesn't, it makes me smile. Makes yeah, me it's really, you, you, but I do think that's your process. If I'm not, I would have guessed that your process was keep at it until you're amusing yourself. And if you're amusing yourself, you know it's funny. Yes, and then it makes me laugh internally that the audience is accepting made-up things and laughing themselves. I think everything goes back to high school, in the car with your buddies. They're stoned. You're in the back seat, and you start doing an impression of the water polo teacher, and then you just wind it down, and it's repetitive. You know, we didn't do bits in high school. It was just abstract. And when I was on the road with Dennis Miller and Kevin Nealon, when we were in the back of the limo going to the gig, giggling and talking, we were all doing the same thing. Dennis right. is doing impressions and characters. So everyone wants to do what we're doing, basically. <laughs> saps. They're just saps. Why? Why do you do this? Oh. <laughs> My Seinfeld is a little high. Yeah, let's hear about your Seinfeld. I no. want to hear. You, 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 you're amazed that he's, like, you're, you're so good in front of a crowd, but you were telling me you don't love being on the road all the time. The traveling, the transporting of the human to the gig, you know, is Constantly being on the road, yeah. Yeah, I don't like the road, but, you know... You know, Jerry loves it. He's like, you know, he just loves it. So, well, he just loves you, and 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 he doesn't, he doesn't, and also he feels like he, uh, I don't know, he he doesn't 
he wouldn't get worn down with all the flying around, Jerry. You know what I mean? Not at all. He's it, something almost kind of in, and I mean this as a compliment. I think it's almost machine-like. Like he's, you know what I mean? He's of that school that, right? It's all good, you know. It's all good. We're great. Everything's positive. We got a gig. I'm gonna repeat my tomato bit, and it's gonna kill again. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like the redundancy as part of the reason I exaggerate. But can I tell you my my Seinfeld? Because when I did his show, we're in the coffee in the cars, he, I started doing it. And he goes, no one can do me but Jimmy Fallon. So yeah. he shut me down right away. But then I noticed he's got this other sub-rhythm in his stand-up, which really makes me laugh. So he's got the high thing, but he yep. gets this other thing. So I do him as a serial killer. I'm going to kill you. Well, why? Why? I'm going to kill you. I'm going to get these knives and put them right in there because I think I can cut your spleen right in there. <laughs> <laughs> he's got that other, I he think. Gets, yeah, yeah, he gets, you know what's interesting? It, <laughs> the guy, well, that guy who thinks he could be president is that obviously insane I think that's a job for me I can be president (laughs) if Jerry's listening I barely do you Jerry but on today's podcast you are there with Jeff he is front and center with Jeff I I, I don't go on the road because the room service takes too long I'm going to get burst I got to Sorry, go ahead. Well, especially True Grit. He was uh, true in True Grit. He was that's what he was digesting a ham <laughs> in every scene. <laughs> well, this is the thing, and I, I think he's brilliant. I I saw Hell or High Waters where I started doing him. I just love the rhythms. Okay, to get up, going to, and um, he did True Grit. I think that was the first old cowboy transition from leading man. Yep. To kind of uh, cod your cowboy. No, I'm true grit. Let's go. And then he does the press junket, and they're asking about the character, and I'm listening. He goes, Well, I just figured I'd do it. He just kept the voice. (laughs) It wasn't a character. Well, no, I'm I'm just going to do it all the time in life. I don't know what I'm going to (laughs) do. Sorry. But uh, I'm, I'm very punchy right now. No, no, it's, this is you. This is the real you, and this is how you are when we hang out. This right. Is you. When we're not philosophically discussing the universe, we right. do this. But what I love is uh, there's no... I think it almost comes back to a cartoon sensibility. I always wanted to be a cartoon. Do you yes. know what I mean? I always wanted to... And I liked comedy that had a cartoonish element. And I know that... Your stuff always had that element where you would keep stretching it out and stretching it yes. out. I mean, there's no reason for the church lady to get up and do that dance at the end. There was there was no, no there was no reason for that. Lauren didn't like that nor the echo, but he got used to it. You know, <laughs> <laughs> uh, does she have to have echo when she says Satan? You know, <laughs> Satan. Oh, uh, why a superior dance? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, go, I don't know, Lauren. He probably was right. I oh, love right. the madness of it. So I love things that are crazy because I'm crazy. Did you watch? Uh, I watched a lot of Warner Brothers cartoons yeah. when I was a kid, and I swear to God, I think I learned my timing from Coyote Roadrunner, Bugs Bunny. <laughs> that it's such impeccable timing. Yeah, and I, I loved it whenever I could show my kids that because I thought they learned the rhythm. If you can learn the rhythm from a Warner Brothers cartoon that was made in the 40s or 50s. You always wonder where your influences come from. When I first did Church Layout on Saturday Night Live, 
Mr. Clockworthy said you can't say penis so much yeah. on television. That was the uh, censor. Censor guy. We had a bow tie and he, was yeah. little, he looked just like a censor guy. So I had to take the penis out and put in other language, which made it way more pornographic. Yes. So yeah. it was like, well, our naughty, bulbous area is engorged and willing and throbbing. You know, it's just. So I handed it to him. He goes, no penis. This looks terrific. <laughs> so I remember specifically one time early on doing Church Lady Steve Martin was the host mm-hmm. and I'm really digging into it and read through just wanting to make sure it gets on you know your yep. engorged loaf is throbbing and your fornicating buttocks you know and I heard Steve Martin under his breath say to Lauren Michaels what kind of mind thinks of this <laughs> <laughs> thought, which is a great compliment it's just, that's that's great am I repressed sexually where did that come from I have no idea you you were telling me once because we both are uh, Beatles fanatics and we're both obsessed with, with Paul McCartney crazily and 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 we both had these uh, inter- interactions with mm-hmm. him. But you were telling me once your key to doing a Paul McCartney impression and how it was the the rising and the falling, you know, the melodic. Yeah, I mean, and it is also maybe from more like the Beatle cartoon, you know. I yeah. did a little because I've been doing a thing that just struck me that Beatley voice is just calm, calming to me. Mm-hmm. So if you process the news that's pretty dark through that voice, it makes it a much more friendly. Like during the Kavanaugh hearings, you'd be like, well, America, you know, they, they needed a top judge a man. They needed a judge a man in the Supreme Supreme, you know. And uh, everyone goes, all right, seems all right. You know? And then a bird says, wait a minute, you know, in high school, he went googly, googly, googly on me, you know. And it was all that. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. But that's, no, but that's, <laughs> so if, he, if he read the news, uh, I would prefer to get my news from him. Give because me a story. That, What's the story? Uh, let's say, uh, yeah, I want to make sure it's not too, but no, you know, no, no too incendiary. Is Trump, you know, headed towards impeachment because of collusion with the <laughs> Russians? Well, the, yeah, I do a bit where he and Paul, because I do him and John a lot. John mm-hmm. asks him about that. But tell me about, you know, the new president, you know. Well, you know, he's a new one. You know, he's a big orange man, you know. <laughs> he's got white circles around his eyes, you know. And his hair's like cotton candy all swirled around and stuff, you know. <laughs> and they're all talking about collusion. You know, he's a colluder. He's a colluder. Oh, the man over there, you know. Oh, a Russian man says, let's go colluding. He's like, all right, how do we do it? He goes, it's a secret. Well, how do you know if you are colluding? You never know. But later on, they tell you, the judger man comes in, you know. The judger man. <laughs> the judger man. It's just easier to say judge. Well, that's the thing, and you love that too. Yes. It's like the language of when I have Paul McCartney saying to John Lennon, you know, Kanye West loves him, you know. And John says, Kanye West, who's that, you know. And he goes, you know, what is he? Well, he's, you know, he's a singer talkie. You know, he's a, he's a chest stomper, you know, which I love. Remember when you said we were more popular than Jesus? He says he is Jesus. <laughs> but I love chest stumper. That makes me really happy. And so in this scenario, John is in the afterlife. Yes. He doesn't know what's going on. And Paul is telling him about what's happening yeah, in the world. Exactly. I love that. It can go anywhere. To, why? Well, good to see you again, John. You know, well, let's go it on, Paul. Good to, you know, it's just, I like that. So John is in the afterlife, but he can't see what's happening in the world. And he, the only person he yes. can get his news from is Paul McCartney. 
McCartney. It's Paul McCartney. That's, I love it. So Paul goes, in the future, you know, everyone's got a baby television in their pocket, you know, and it's got a little camera on it, you know. <laughs> what do you mean, Paul? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know. I love that also, Paul isn't doing a great job explaining this stuff yes, to John. Yes, and John is and just John so is just, curious. He's so curious. What do you mean? <laughs> yeah, you do, you do, John. What, what, do you, what are you talking about? Well, you know, it's just a baby television. It's got a little camera in it. And you, know, you take pictures of things and you post them on a thing called Facebook. What's a fucking Facebook? Well, it's a place where you share your life with the world, John. Like, say you're having a particularly nice ham sandwich. You take a picture of it with your baby television and you put it on Facebook for all the world to see. I thought you were a vegetarian. Why are you eating a fucking ham sandwich? Well, then he would say, uh, I'd say, well, sometimes you get haters. And you'd say, how, how would someone hate a ham sandwich? Yeah, who, how would you hate a ham sandwich? Well, you know, you know, the usual things, you know, not enough cheese, too much lettuce. <laughs> <laughs> I just see John got, getting really impatient, <laughs> getting angry because he's an you know he's an angry guy. And they getting, might have to have their own podcast. Oh man, they, well, first the of all, whole thing is just them, yeah. just them talking. All, yeah, and you play John. Yeah, just, yeah. It's a sub. First of all, we should do that. Well, because you have fun. a nasally, you've got I can it. Do the that's nasally, it. Those and that's it. It's just one guy's down here, and yeah. the other guy's right yeah, here. in here, and he's got those little uh, thing. Here's the difference. I think you'd appreciate this. I do Paul McCartney. I've probably done this on your show, but Paul McCartney first man on Mars. Yeah. Well, they didn't tell us to be so red. <laughs> and then John Lennon, first man on Mars. I knew it'd be red. <laughs> same thing with uh, Paul McCartney sees his first banana split. Uh-huh. Well, you know, it's great. You know, they got three scoops of ice cream with the bananas around each side. You know, look at it, John. And John's like, the banana's an afterthought. <laughs> These go forever. This is like Johnny. No, that's, that's the thing is I can, I swear to God, I I could sit and listen to this. People, it's a cliche oh. to say I could listen to this all day. I could listen to this all day and just well, urinate into cups. I, <laughs> I literally, it gives me comfort to do Paul and John. I want them to be friends. I love them talking. Yeah. Uh, it really makes me feel good. There's things, I'll do it just around the house to myself. The music they did and the fact that they never got to have this time later yeah. where they were like, we're fucking amazing. Yeah. You know, I guess John only one time after they finish here, there, and everywhere. Oh, that's a good song, you know. Yep. This is what I say about, because people are always like, John versus Paul, this and that. And they were both in the only band they could have been in, were the, in the world, where at one time or another, they would think to themselves, you know, maybe I'm not the best guy in the band. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But there's no other band they could have been in. I right. might, he might be better than me. You right. Know? So right. they didn't. But anyway. I like doing that. This is another one that's just brain candy for me. Johnny Carson getting pulled over on the PCH. Right. And it's the fun of his vernacular. Yep. Oh, sorry, officer. I didn't know I was swerving. I had two slippery monkeys at the hook and crook. (laughs) (laughs) Right? (laughs) That's just pure joy. I had uh, two frozen pillows at the Windy Summit. (laughs) So you want a hundred of those. Yes. That would be on your show. Just you would go. That, you but know. here's the thing. Here's the thing. I, and I do want to bring this up because. Two slippery monkeys at the hook. It's too much fun. It's not even alcohol. Also, I remember he got pulled over 
you know, mm-hmm. uh, and and I I've seen the clip on the Tonight Show where he comes out the next night. He got pulled over after having yeah. too many martinis, and uh, <laughs> and but, I know the woman who was dating him when he was like in his mid late fifties, and she would help him into the car. Yeah, and he usually was ha- have grasshoppers. That's what was his drink. Could I get another freshen up on my grasshopper? Yeah. <laughs> What's but a anyway, grasshopper? I'm not really sure. It just yeah. sounds like I some love that <laughs> those sixty seventies drinks. You know, like uh, a yeah. white Russian. Yeah. They were just like milkshakes that had a lot of ton of alcohol in them. I'll but what's interesting is that— So he does drunk driving, then he's in. He's on the show, right? No, he, 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 he came on the show the next night, and he came out to do the monologue, and a policeman came with him. <laughs> and it got a huge laugh. But you realize oh. today, it was just a different time. Yeah. We have learned yeah. that, that, no, you, you cannot—that's not an the area of Fun of humor. and frivolity. Because remember, who was the guy whose whole career— Foster was pl- Brooks. Yes. Foster Brooks used to play uh, drunks. Smash drunk guy. And smash everyone drunk would laugh. It was hilarious. And then suddenly, oh, it's a disease. And uh, that was over. I know. Uh, innocence lost. Oh, darn. But um, we should take a quick break. Oh, We're going to take a quick break. Well, I didn't know we had breaks. Well, we don't really. Right. We pretend to have them in the studio, and then we keep talking. Okay. Uh, so it's, it's total bullshit. Go We're ahead. Gonna I, take I, a, I won't interrupt you then. We're going to take this quick All right. break, and we'll be right back with more Dana Carter. <laughs> Time for the segment, Conan O'Brien pays off the mortgage on his beach house. Did you give it a little more pep than that? You, you look, sound depressed. Try it again. <laughs> now it's time for the segment, Conan O'Brien pays off the mortgage on his beach house. Absolutely no difference between those two reads. Uh, clearly you're depressed. All right, well, yes, this is the segment where I uh, try and uh, pay down the mortgage on my beach house. A beach house, by the way, I don't even get to anymore. Not mm-hmm. only is it a huge mortgage... I don't get there because between the show and the podcast and the comedy tour, I never get to this beach house. You know who's there this week? Who? Tim Oliphant. Oh. Yes. He was a guest on the show and he was like, oh, you have a beach house? Do you mind if I stay there? So he and his wife, the lovely Alexis, are staying there. You made so many bad choices. I know. I'm paying for it. And Tim Oliphant, uh, you know, one of the best looking actors in the history of the world, is hanging out on my deck. And I'm here trying to pay da bills, D-A-B-I-L-L-Z. Right? Are you angry because he's there or are you angry because he's so handsome? I'm angry that he's that good looking. And he's at my beach house and I'm here paying for it. But enough whining. I'm an adult and I always pay my bills. We're back uh, sitting here with... Uh, Good God. Dana Farfell. A force. A force. A force of nature. Mr. Dana Carvey. Um, George H.W. Uh, Bush <clears throat> passed away, and you wrote a really great piece uh, for the New York Thank Times. You. It does feel kind of impossible today, but a president really having affection yeah. for Unbelievable. the person who's making fun of him, and he invited you mm-hmm. to the White House. Yes. And would check in, you know, you slept in the Lincoln bedroom. Yes. And he would like lean in to check in on you. Oh, right? yeah. Well, my wife, when we got there, my wife went to take a shower and the door was slightly ajar. And he just burst in in his suit and tie, six foot four. Yeah. How's everybody done? <laughs> What's that's going on? No, I, wasn't, I just closed the door. I don't want to. Yeah. Oh, me too. Ah. But uh, he uh, was very generous and it was just surreal that we, we ended up there. Um, Interesting enough, I after he invited me there, I was doing Saturday Night Live. There's a Saturday Night Live party, and um, <clears throat> my wife was going to meet me at the White House. And so 
I ended up sitting next to Neil, Neil Young, who musically, of course, we're all, you know, my God, Neil Young. It's Neil you know? Young, yeah. It's Neil Young. And he, he's really a funny guy, sweet guy. And, you know, I was telling him about the Bush thing, and, you know, I'd made fun of it, and I'm going there. And he said, it's a human thing, man. And then he looked up, I'll never forget it, pointed at Chris Farley and said, that fat kid's funnier than shit. <laughs> 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 it's just, sorry, it was just a non sequitur. Yeah. But Farley was the greatest. But um, he says, it's a human thing, man. So when I went down there, and then I, knowing now, after seeing a lot of the people eulogizing George Bush Sr., that was the guy I knew. I mean, yep. just incredibly compassionate, very friendly, would call anyone who needed help, write letters. Yeah, it was just a, an amazing experience. The, the uh, One of my favorite, maybe my favorite impression you do is Jimmy Stewart. And, yes. And because his movies live on and on, I think the impression's always going to still work. Because yeah. TV stars, we go... And people don't know what you're talking about, you know, 20, 25 years later. But I think the Jimmy Stewart impression feels like that's a gift that keeps on giving. But that's another impression from my childhood that just gives you comfort because of the sincerity of it. You know, mm-hmm. like he, his likability as a movie actor, because he would be like, well, Conan, well, how you doing? So you're, you're doing a podcast now. Well, mm-hmm. I think it's terrific. You know, it, just, it just exuded. And I... When um, the AFI tribute, my first year of SNL, they invited me to vet Kirk Douglas, who was getting put in the, you know, yeah. and everyone was around me. Like Gregory Peck was to the right. Wow. Who I was young and naive, so my wife loves Gregory Peck and her mother. So we had to meet Gregory Peck and Lauren Bacall had went up, I guess, to use the restroom. So we went up there like super fans to try to meet Gregory Peck. But then we heard behind us, <clears throat> and it was Lauren McCall. So we scattered back to our seats. But then I looked over my shoulder, and it was Jimmy Stewart. And I'd done him for years, and I went over. I, my shyness was overridden by, I'm going to meet Jimmy Stewart. So as I approached him, he kind of took my hand, put his hand on top of my hand before I said anything. And he just said, I know, I know. <laughs> the knew man, what? That I was going to say of all the movies and I can't believe it. You know, he just, yeah, uh, I know, I know. Well, can I fucking tell you? <laughs> well, what do you mean? You know, I haven't even talked to you yet. No. <laughs> but that was, uh, you know, so you did some, uh, hmm. I don't know if we can Feed do me, it. Conan. I don't know if we can do it. You did a great oh. Jimmy Stewart being orally pleasured once, and it was the most <laughs> hilarious thing I've ever seen. Yeah, it was again. Can we do that on a podcast? I, I insist. Well, you can always cut it. We're not live, right? No, no, no. Well, I, I, well, I don't like really blue stuff in a sense, yeah. like graphic. But I love stuff that's just a little left to center and just a little. Uh, so the thing that was funny about Jimmy Stewart in a car with Catherine Hepburn and having her service him was the, <laughs> was the idea that he said, all right, uh, well, 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 just look at her for a while. <laughs> yeah. now, now, now look away. Uh, now look back at it. <laughs> I mean, it's just that it's part. A little, it's a little, yeah. Yeah, well, just look at it. Well, don't touch it yet. <laughs> Wait till I give you the signal. Well, I'm, I'm going to pull my left earlobe. Sort of like Carol Burnett, but she hasn't even been born yet. Anymore. Well, Jimmy, I don't want to wait all day. I've got needs and desires. <laughs> that wasn't in there. Uh, sure enough. I don't know. This is funnier. I don't, you can't use this. Uh, I knew he'd be back. 
But yeah, it was all about just look at it. Well, just, now just look at it for a while. That just made me laugh. We have a woman with us. Is it okay? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. It's fine. I won't be escorted from Hollywood. No, no, no. It's just silly. But yeah, I don't like blue, blue, but I do like just weird language. Um, you're a very, uh, you're very tough on yourself. I know that about you. Yeah. You are extremely uh, hard on yourself. I don't know. And I know that I'm very hard on myself. And I know that people have told me you don't need to be that way. But mm-hmm. I question that. I think maybe that is important. Well, it's part of a, if you have drive, it's a deal that you make. I mean, you know, a friend of mine who's very hard on himself is, is directing the new Star Wars, J.J. <laughs> Abrams. Yeah. And I know he's really hard on himself because he loves Spielberg and he loves Rod Serling. And so he's going to be doing the movie and he's brilliant at it, but he's always going to have to deal with this driving thing. And so for me, since I was trained as a stand-up, that you must levitate the room. I didn't know groundlings. I was up in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. So it was just Robin Williams stuff and just levitate the room. So I always wanted to kill. And so on SNL, if it didn't kill, like in the room... I would feel like I do better. I can do better. I got to, yeah. you know, it has yeah. to destroy. But I guess it's a, um, the sword you fall on. If, I mean, it's, well, it's interesting because <laughs> your strength is your weakness. Captain. What, what happens is once you, you set your clock to, I like to kill. Yeah. Once you set your dial. Or I need to I, kill. I need to kill. Or I'll be bad. Yes. Yeah. Then anything less than that mm-hmm. feels like bombing, even yes. though. It's not. You have people there, and you can come off stage. Speak from my own experience. You come off stage, and I just feel like uh, that didn't feel good. And people say, like, no, that actually went really well. Yeah, yeah, but I'm comparing it to times You're, when yeah. you feel like you split the atom. And uh, yeah, and the the voice in the back of your head that's observing and judging and going, well, that worked tonight, and that didn't. That gets really quiet. So when that second voice shuts up. Usually that's when I'm having my best set. The entire time here, that voice has been screaming at me. I'm kidding. I can actually see. It's, it is a little, it's, it's a you dressed as a little devil yes. uh, on your but, shoulder. You know. Here's the interesting thing, because we were chatting about this briefly before this podcast started, hmm. which is, um, oh, you're getting a call on your, on your, on your watch. <laughs> yeah, it's silenced. I know. Yeah. I, I, I'm not a techie, but this thing is pretty cool. Yeah, so is that the uh, iWatch? Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, I just it, I thought if we mentioned it, we might get one. Well, because you don't have to, if you forget your phone, this you, you talk on it. and you, What are you talking about? Well, you, <laughs> well, it's a thing. It's on your wrist and it tells you when to breathe. That sounds like something demented. Or do- <laughs> well, it doesn't tell you in a bad way. It says maybe you should breathe. Yeah. Well, that, uh, that sounds too vague. Either way, you're in some sort of hell. <laughs> Yoko would tell me to breathe. <laughs> She's all I needed. Uh, the, <laughs> then she'd scream. Uh, we were talking about this. We're in this world now of podcast just at this moment. Yes. And what I've noticed sometimes uh, when I listen to podcasts or if I've seen people that do podcasts then go mm-hmm. out and sort of do stand-up, and I think you had seen this too, Sometimes there's this different pace, which is, well, we find it over a couple of over an hour. We find it over an hour and a half. Different sport. It's a different sport. And it's interesting. I'm not saying it's just very different from the way we were trained, which is you have a finite amount of time Mm -hmm. and you've got to get maximum 
uh, laughs yeah. in that time and prepare it, and, and you have to prepare yeah. and hone mm-hmm. and get it right. And that's yeah. that's what comedy writing was for me in the years that I was working for you, mm-hmm. and in the years since then about let's get this as great as we can make it in the time allowed. Yes, but if you take that same attitude and you're mm-hmm. in the podcast space, you can seem uptight. You know, I, I did an interview with with Pete Holmes, and he was sort of making fun of me for trying to structure it. He's like, no, no, it's just all supposed to be anarchy and you just go and you can talk for a couple of hours. I'm like, no, it should be really good and it should be no more than an hour. You know, His was the first podcast I did when I came back to LA. I met him at your show. Super yeah. nice guy. Great guy. But we're going to a room and Pete is such a big guy. Mm-hmm. Chairs, everything looked tiny and it was really hot and I had no idea and it was like three hours. <laughs> well, yeah, that's why I, I like... Uh, I don't know. I'm always rooting for an interview sh- should be very good and it should last, you know, 45 minutes to an hour max. Mm-hmm. But I've been in podcasts where I realized I think I've been talking for three hours and nobody's that entertaining. I should not be longer than a David or as long as a David Lean movie, you know? <laughs> I Yeah, I totally agree. I, the thing that fascinates me about this, what someone explained to me, is just that, because I always say, should you have a visual component? And the idea of the headphones or the little earbuds in your ear, it's like literally Conan is right next to you in mm-hmm. your ear. And right. then people are moving about in society. Like they're squeezing avocados at Gelson's to see which one is ripe. And they're hearing us right now. So that is a different kind of Support. So it's a low threshold because they're just trying to get a fucking avocado. First right. time I swore on this podcast, trying to get a fucking avocado. My mom would say, You're talking ragtime, which means <laughs> you're talking gibberish. But my, that's in one of those things my mom would always say is, You know, you're just talking ragtime. It's all sixes and sevens. Talking ragtime? Ragtime really? meant you were talking foolishness. Huh? Yeah. I just my, mom, to bring... my mom's voice was truly like this. Really? She was very sweet. Yes. She's, when she got older, she'd say, do you have a spoon? When she was visiting. Oh, well, we, I don't, I don't know. But, well, do you have a strawberry? Well, no, we, we don't. We have blueberries. But I like strawberries. <laughs> oh, my God. Was, was she a tiny woman? Did yes. She, did she, she sounds like she weighed like less than a raisin. And it also, when she, when someone asks for a, when someone She's asks very for, sweet. when someone yeah. asks for a strawberry, it means they can live off yeah. that for a day. <laughs> yeah. Could to her, it was, strawberry. it was like a 10 feet high. It was like land of the little well, she wanted, she wanted to live in it. I'll I just, want to climb a strawberry. Oh, I'd like to climb strawberries, <laughs> but it's a fun voice. And then my, oh, Jesus Christ, my father talked like this. And I remember the, one of the last times I talked politics with him, he goes, oh, Jesus Christ, I can't talk politics with you. You because you don't know shit. <laughs> he said that to you? Yeah. Well, wow. it's just a grumpy old man, you know. They want to know us, Conan. They want to know, you know. They want to get inside. Well, I would say if it's outrageous, it's contagious. And that can come in, like, maybe comedy being outrageous and also being just authentic. Well, you told me something else like, that okay. I quote all the time. I quote you all the time. Really? Uh, because uh, I, you're very, very smart about comedy you're very analytical. I think that's what what people don't know about you because you're such you you can be such a silly impressionistic performer is how right. seriously mm-hmm. analytical mm-hmm. you can be about comedy and about how you think it works and how you think it doesn't work and you have a, a very keen eye for Thank you. when someone uh, I'm glad I'm recording. Yeah. yeah. But no right. But, if, but, yeah, but go ahead. you said something you said something 
to me once you came in and you looked at my studio mm-hmm. and you saw how small it was mm-hmm. and you nodded your head yes. and you said, yeah, comedy compression. Yes. And I was like, comedy compression, the idea of um, so many people, when they get a talk show, they want to expand. They think I want this to be huge. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a big show. So the, the, the stage yeah. has to be huge. But as you know, comedy works best in a small environment because it's just, it's physics. Like if there's an explosion, mm-hmm. if it's in a small space, the explosion is much more powerful and rattles around. Yeah. And so when you come on my show and I've seen you do this, you know, a million times, you'll, you'll come into the space and you will crush in that space. And when it's smaller, mm-hmm. the laughs are just bouncing off the walls. It gives you energy, their energy, it just yes. builds. And, yeah. uh, and so I've always quoted you whenever I've been in any kind of situation where I'm going to perform somewhere. Mm-hmm. If I go into a room and it's massive and the ceiling is way up high. Not I'm, optimal. I'm like, I don't, I don't have comedy compression here. Mm-hmm. I can maybe do okay. Yeah. So you know it, you won't be blaming yourself when it's not quite as electric. It just won't be. It yeah. can't be. No, it can't be. The room is your partner. You can't, you can't get past a bad room. You could do okay, but then you're just working so hard. But, you know, if I do my job right for me, people will think I just showed up and I'm having a blast with very little preparation. Yeah. So that's kind of the the magic trick of it. My sister once when I was just happened to be in New York and Lauren had asked me, will you do the church lady on update, whatever? He told me Friday night. So Saturday morning, I'm like, okay, but there was a theme. I'm writing it in the hotel room. She's just happened to be visiting me. And so she's with me the whole day. So she sees the calls and the changes and this. We're going back and forth all day and then the fitting and going in. And then throughout the night, the writers want to meet with you and come back. And we're going to change this. We're going to cut this. And she finally, and then she followed me in the church lady dress. I go, come with me. Follow me. Now I've got to let go of everything, every analytical bone in my body and slide out on update and just be completely free and loose. So she came all the way with me. So I'm going to go through the whole thing and then back the other way where I went by. Beyonce and Jay Z mm-hmm. high fiving me. Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't know, Dane. She sounded like Paul McCartney. I didn't know, Dane. I didn't mm-hmm. know that it was so much to it. But like you, if your job, to, you do all this stuff, then you come out like Conan and Andy are just being silly tonight. I mean, on SNL in the early days, I would sometimes peak at the read through on Wednesday. I'd go too hard or too hard in rehearsal. And then I figured out over time is to make sure as much as possible that even the dress show do well enough for it to go on the air show, but save some hook or some energy so that when you're doing it on the air show, that little voice is going, well, this is the best you've done it this week. You don't want to think like, ah, it's not as good as the dress, but the stuff we put, I'm I'm getting more nervous about being in show business. I'm rethinking my career choice because this is just too much pressure. (laughs) (laughs) To prepare, prepare, prepare and let go, but maybe that's sort of like sex, you know? (laughs) Do you prepare? What do you, how do you prepare? I don't know, it just sounded funny. I had no real joke, but it sounds funny. So you, so you just prepare, 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 and that's how you have sex, Ed. <laughs> I'm doing a, this is a thing I just started doing. See if you think this is interesting. But my wife will always make this sound, which it's, it has a little hook to it. It's like if she's, we're, we sit across from each other and we're doing our, checking the web in the morning. She, she'll see something on Instagram. She'll go, ah, and she doesn't go, ah, she'll go, ah. Where there's I, a I hook and it goes up. It, but men what does don't, that mean? It's super empathy. It's like, ah, that's the woman you want to be with when you have erectile dysfunction. That is the empathetic sound of someone going, ah. 
So right. I don't know. And, and I think the rising like at the end is giving hope that that the penis itself will rise again. Do you see what I'm saying? <laughs> Maybe. I you know don't what know. I mean? That that uh, <laughs> there's a there's a little bit of optimism to the sadness, don't you think? What? I I don't really have a rect- but I can't think of a better line for that. But I I do. Uh, I just tell women they're 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 winning. They're winning. Men men have gotten the message. We're going to be obsolete. We're just going to be out. Near Bakersfield, in the weeds, wandering. All men will be in Bakersfield, California. Wandering, just low testosterone, just just shrunken down, and women will evolve into six foot eight she beasts, just giant self impregnating beings that will dominate the planet. Yeah. It's just a theory. No, I think you're right. I think men's time is up. I think you know, not to use the times up, but well, what do you we've find had a sexiest run? in a man? I so. think, yeah, I think you've had a very long run. You I mean think. us, me personally, or just all men? All men. Oh, good. And you, you two, and Matt, you as well oh. you you're you're three of the good ones but there's a lot of garbage out there yeah you had that just a lot of garbage can you sign something that says we're the three of the good ones mm-hmm. no because i who know knows what'll happen you always wonder where some of the me too men are you know because they're kind of like lepers they can't go out in society no and where are they where they're are on they're on predator island it's near hawaii <laughs> they got cosby out of prison cosby meet you on the dock welcome to predator island would you like a pill <laughs> arnold is the host welcome to predator island we'll be a predators all around go hunting and shooting <laughs> i won't do it anymore because it's probably too much for podcasts now what are you talking about that was fantastic it's predator fantastic. island i like predator it. island Harvey Weinstein's on the hill. Let's see if we can get the clear shot. <laughs> Listen to the sound of a super predator. <laughs> Tom Brokaw, what are you doing here? I leaned in for an inappropriate kiss 25 years ago, and now I have to live on prayer. <laughs> I like you, Tom. I'll give you 10 seconds. <laughs> So that, that's evolving. So you're saying if you did that at Largo, a small loosey-goosey theater where, where, where people are supposed to, millennials thrive, they wouldn't be on the floor with that? Or Good no? question. That one's probably just topic-wise as edgy as I could get. So yeah. it might get them because it's, uh, if it's outrageous, but I don't know. I like Predator Island. I just I think that's it's great. fun, right? I think that's great. Next week we're going to visit Roseanne Barr and Megan Kelly. They live in racist lagoon. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you just have to use Arnold's voice because they live in racist lagoon is the best. Uh, Again, it just makes me happy in life. That's yeah. all I've got is comedy and my occasional dinner with you. You know what? I love our dinners. I've loved this because uh, this it's has been really fun. But you know what? This has been. I'll go on the record. I mean, I. I don't know. No, you don't. This is being recorded. He keeps holding his phone up to record me saying things. We're in a podcast booth. Well, no, I have a, it's called Podcast Podcast. So I just record every podcast I'm on and post it. So uh, thank you. It's been no, a pleasure. No, as a, as a just. Podcast Podcast. I, I'm hard to think of. You have given me more joy in my life through just how funny you are and how, and also you. how personally nice you've always been to me and how smart you are about comedy Thank and you. how <laughs> I so mean sweet. no no he really is he uh, <laughs> Dana is uh just a, a rare talent We'll always have this thing that I was famous first and doing well on Saturday night live and you were quote unquote nobody Right and so we just have this relationship with that in other words dovetails to the theme of the show I really see Conan yeah, that's Because nice. I didn't meet you when you're famous. Right. 
You see the real me. I see you, and but it's I not only... pretty. But, <laughs> but I think also— but no one said it was. It was fun when we would do stuff, and then, like, when Kevin and I hatched Hans and Franz, and it was Kevin had this brilliant turn of, like, the, them becoming defensive. Yeah. And if you think we can't do that, we could very easily stretch your buttocks out, you know. And then you especially came around pretty early and yeah. started writing for that sketch and yeah. actually could do the voice for hours yeah. and get into it. And then we wrote the movie together, and we yeah. really laughed. That was a great The movie script. that was never made, I know. It was I know. such a funny Too movie. Too much Arnold. <laughs> well, I didn't know how movie stars operated. It wasn't yeah. Arnold's fault. He had 20 movies in, in you know, development. Right. And we just thought, we're writing Arnold in our movie. He'll do our movie. You know, right. sorry, fellas. It's I'm, not going to happen. We're going to do Jingle out the way. <laughs> he did uh, <laughs> what was Last it? Action Hero. Last Action Hero. And yeah. that was attempted comedy, and it didn't work out. And so then he said, no more comedies. <laughs> See, that will always make me laugh. I don't know why. It's just something about the screaming, <laughs> one note, my yelling, I want the sandwich. <laughs> I want the sandwich. <laughs> Give it to me. Uh, this was so anyway, a this was a better. pure delete, can, a delight. Can we do this again? Let's do it again. I'm, I'm, really I'm, fun. I'm in the neighborhood. And also, anytime you want to do the John asks Paul questions about what's going on on Earth podcast. I will yeah. do that. <laughs> I'll do the that John part. Fun. You mean, will do 99% of it, and I'll just occasionally say, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> well, you know, the midterms came, you know, and the Democrats go, well, we're going to get in there, you know, and they got a lot of birds elected, you know. They've <laughs> <laughs> got a hundred of the birds in there, you know. It's a lot good for equality, you know. Uh. <laughs> the house and the dip. I mean, it's like, just fun. Yeah. Just fun. All of them are fun. Just fun. Keep I want to thank Jeff Bridges, Johnny Carson, and Conan O'Brien. But yeah, we're and you, Jimmy Stewart. You were just what is it? Just look at it. Yeah, well now just look at it. <laughs> well, well now look away. Mm. Well, but, but pretend you're distracted. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's so creepy. Yeah, yeah. Now, now look back at it. It's just some kind of weird sexual foreplay because she has to look away so she can look back at it. Because if she's continually looking at it, there's oh. no break dynamically. Oh god. But anyway, you were. Going for the heartstrings, and that would have been a good ending. But yeah, I'm really happy to have you as a friend. No one better. No one better than Dana Carvey. We do operate uh, on a lot of different levels, intellectually and comedically wise. So we have very interesting three-hour conversations with a couple of pups. Grass up, what, is he, what call I had two Ricky Dinks up with a twist at the rusty nail. <laughs> but what he did was I had two slippery monkeys at the hook and hook. <laughs> Okay, I'm ending this right. now. I'm filling the room with foam. Thank you for a podcast podcast. Thank you. God bless thank you. Dana Carvey, better than other humans. <laughs> for another installment of Conan O'Brien pays off the mortgage on his beach house. In the past, I've played true or false where I asked Sona a true or false question mm-hmm. about uh, a way in which you may have mishandled your job or your duties. But I thought that I'd give you a chance to ask me a true or false. Right. Okay. So true or false. Yeah. Uh, you travel a lot for work. I and- travel constantly between the comedy tour and the travel shows that we do and it's just nonstop. and i don't have the statistics to back this up but i'm going to say about 95 percent of the time you forget something very valuable either in a car in your hotel room or on the plane and then i have to email and call a lot of people to try to track these items down true or false well 
I don't know that it's 95% of the time. It's 95%. I would say it's over 90%. <laughs> I think it's somewhere between 90 and 95% of the time. You're bringing up something that is absolutely true, mm-hmm. and it's starting to worry me a little bit. And I'm putting this out there because there might be someone who's listening who's a neurologist. I could go see a neurologist. Oh, wow. okay. Well, guess what? There's a way to get free medical advice, and it's to talk about your issue on a podcast. A lot of smart people listen to podcasts. There's probably a neuroscientist out there listening right now, and they would contact us and say, Conan, that sounds bad. I will tell you. Listening to your podcast? Just listen. Sorry. Yes. A lot of smart people are listening right now. Okay. It has been a real issue for me. I leave things. I shed all of my belongings as I travel. Uh Uh-huh. It's just they fly off of me. So you know this to be a true story. Last night, walked off the plane, you know, get a car. I'm headed back away from the airport. Realize I left my phone on the plane. Now, if you're going to to forget... Something. Forget your paper clips. Forget, oh, my guitar pick. Oh, I forgot. You know, I had a little bit of that sandwich left and I left it on the plane accidentally. (laughs) Don't forget the most important thing is my phone. And also my phone has that little sleeve in it that has my driver's license. Yeah. My cash card. Yeah. And my credit card. Yeah. I lose it. So I turn around. I go back to the airport with the help of some very nice people. We find my phone. That took... Two and a half hours of me looking for a phone. (laughs) And guess what? I was going to call you to ask you what should I do. And the guy driving me had a cell phone. I don't know your cell phone number. (laughs) Because I just punch Sona on my phone. So I don't know your cell phone number. And you've worked for me for 10 years and had the same cell phone number. I have. I am a lost child whose brain is spiraling out of control. It is. I lost my Kindle. Yes, um, which I had to get into today. Well, I, th- I think we just agreed that it's gone. It's and gone. I, and I'm going to have to get another Kindle. By the way, I don't think Kindle, they don't, uh, they don't advertise on this show, so I'm not going to give them any free air. But uh, um, Maybe they will if you say something nice. It's a great, I love the Kindle. Yeah. It's a fantastic product. And I really do think, and now I'm missing one. Mine Maybe was, one of your neuroscientist listeners can just You know what, send don't you be a, a wise ass. I'm <laughs> saying, I am concerned that I am rapidly losing things. I lose things constantly. And I'm always telling you, Sona, can you call that hotel? Because I think I left behind, an, you know, my, my left shoe. Yeah. And I wore one shoe on the way home and didn't notice. I mean, yeah. this is a concern to me. And so I'm just putting it out there. If there is anyone who's involved in the neurosciences, the chemistry of the brain, who can help <laughs> me out, I'm concerned. I have trouble coming up with names. It's a problem. And I'm worried about it. I'm hoping it's just, there's a lot for me to keep track of. And I'm a busy guy. Yeah. But when I lost that phone, I was so mad at myself. It's, it's, of course, I took it out on everyone around me. But mm-hmm. that's what you do when you're angry with yourself. Mm. You lash out at those around you. Or you can take responsibility for your own actions. <laughs> that's funny. Anyway, um, <laughs> that's true. I do lose things all the time. And I implore those of you listening right now, if you care about me, and you're doing groundbreaking research uh, in the fields of memory 
and uh, cognitive loss, please get in touch with me and give me free advice about what to do. Or if you've ever found anything that looks like it might belong to yes. Conan O'Brien, if you see it, return it to if us. If you see a Kindle out there. Or it's earbuds one of, or headphones. Oh, I, wear, I lose or, those all the time. Yeah, I lose or, those all the time. You know, just other electronics. That, if you see any electronics out there <laughs> uh, or any device that doesn't seem to have an owner, it's mine. and should be returned to me immediately. <laughs> I'm also uh, missing a uh, E-Series Jaguar from the mid-60s in mint condition. If you see one of those around and it even looks like it belongs to somebody, it's mine. And you should get that old rich guy driving it and uh, pull him out of the car and drive the car to me because that's my car. I lost it. Remember when I lost that E-Series Jaguar? Yeah, yes. Yes. Very good. Your improv training is working out well. Yes. And... Remember when I lost that giant jewel? That just... That jewel? That jewel. <laughs> see, if you're not specific... If you're vague, people think there's more jewelry headed my way. Yeah, that jewel. That jewel. Remember that jewel I used to carry around? It wasn't even in a setting. It wasn't on a necklace. I used to carry it. Remember that phase of my career? It was like 2006 to 2009. I carried a jewel, a big jewel. Remember that? And then I lost it. If you see a jewel out there, it's mine. Send it along. Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend with Sonam Obsessian and Conan O'Brien as himself. Produced by me, Matt Gorley. Executive produced by Adam Sachs and Jeff Ross at Team Coco and Colin Anderson and Chris Bannon at Earwolf. Special thanks to Jack White and the White Stripes for the theme song. Incidental music by Jimmy Vivino. You can rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts and you might find your review featured on a future episode. Got a question for Conan? Call the Team Coco hotline at 323-451-2821 and leave a message. It, too, could be featured on a future episode. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. This has been a Team Coco production in association with Earwolf.